Psalm 73, 1 through 74, 23. Devotional focus verse. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. Psalm 73, 28. In the summer of 1949, Reverend Billy Graham had a well-loved and respected preaching partner who started doubting the authority of the scriptures. This man told Reverend Graham that the evangelist was 50 years out of date and that informed scholars no longer accepted the Bible as being inspired by God. As a result, Reverend Graham began wondering if the Bible really could be trusted completely. He searched the scriptures and pondered the attitude of Christ regarding them realizing that never once did Christ indicate doubt as to their veracity in any way. Still, the questions lingered. At last, Reverend Graham concluded that he had to know if he could trust the Bible or he could not go on preaching. One evening, he took a walk in the moonlight near the San Bernardo Mountains. Coming to a private woodsy area, he dropped to his knees with his Bible open in front of him. There, at his makeshift altar, he poured out all his frustrations and doubts to God. As he prayed, the Holy Spirit came and emphatically witnessed to his spirit that the Bible can be wholly trusted and is indeed the inspired Word of God. With tears flowing, he sensed the presence of God like he had not felt in a long time. When he got up from his knees, he knew the spiritual battle in his soul had been fought and won. Reverend Graham's former preaching partner went on to take many classes in theology. After a long struggle with doubt, he eventually declared himself an agnostic, and his spiritual failure caused many to stumble and fall spiritually. Near the end of his life, he stated that there was no way to be sure about the fact that God exists. In contrast, Billy Graham went on to preach the inspired Word of God around the world. In the years since then, his preaching has reached millions, and undoubtedly, many have made heaven as a result of his ministry. Asaph, the author of our focus verse, also had a struggle believing God's promises when he saw the wicked prospering and God's people suffering. He began to wonder if he'd wasted his time in his attempts to keep a pure heart before God. However, before giving up on his faith, he decided to spend time in the sanctuary with God, just as Reverend Graham did at his altar in the woods. Asaph and Reverend Graham both regained their spiritual balance and were firmly grounded in the faith. The devil would like to create doubt in the minds of every child of God. If he can insert a question here and there, he knows he's gained a foothold. His goal is to eventually flood our souls with confusion and uncertainty and overwhelm us. Let's purpose to guard against every attempt by the enemy of our souls. When he assails, we must do what Asap and Billy Graham did, draw near to God and ask for his divine help to overcome that we may confidently declare all his works to those around us. Background information. These two psalms begin book three, the Leviticus book, which is comprised of 17 psalms. The titles of each of the psalms in book three include personal names. 11 of them are accredited or dedicated to Asaph, who authored the two psalms in today's text. Asaph was a priest from the tribe of Levi who served in Jerusalem as the chief worship leader during David's reign, through the reign of Solomon, and into the reign of Rehoboam. He probably composed much of the music for David's psalms. Ezra identifies him as the ancestor of the temple singers. See Ezra 2.41. Psalm 73. Psalm 73 expresses Asaph's spiritual struggle when he observed how the wicked prospered 
and concludes with his changed viewpoint after receiving a divine perspective. Its theme is similar to that of Psalm 37 and 49. Psalm 73 is identified as a wisdom psalm, comparable to the wisdom literature in the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. Asaph began by acknowledging that he found his spiritual footing threatened. Verses 4 through 9 record his troubling observation that the wicked were well nourished and strong, their death seemingly painless, and they experienced fewer troubles and afflictions. They wore their pride like a chain around the neck, and their acts of violence encompassed them like a garment. Their speech was lofty and corrupt, including threats of oppression against the inhabitants of heaven and earth. Based upon what he had seen, in verse 13, Asaph wondered if he had cleansed his heart in vain, if his efforts to live upright and holy had been futile since he was continually plagued by trials and afflictions. Seemingly, his inward conflict had become almost unbearable. However, his perspective changed after he entered the sanctuary and comprehended that God's judgment was just. The Hebrew meaning for the word awakest in verse 20 denoted God's beginning to act and inferred that the prosperity of the wicked would only be a lingering dream when God initiated judgment against them. In verses 21 and 22, Asaph's enlightenment brought immediate and humble confession of his lack of faith. He expressed a renewed determination to place his trust in God, ensuring a place in glory at the end of his life. The psalm closes with Asaph's conclusion that drawing close to God was spiritually beneficial and would result in him declaring God's mighty works. Psalm 74 Psalm 74 is a lament for the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and is reminiscent of Jeremiah's lamentations. This psalm was one of 13 martial songs, which means causing to understand. The superscription in Psalm 74 does not cite the historical setting, and commentators differ on when the stated events occurred. Some suggest that if it was authored by the Asaph who was a contemporary of David, it could be prophetic in nature. This is not improbable since Asaph was also a seer or prophet. Others believe it may have been written by an Asaph from a later time period. Whatever the time frame, the fact that these words were uttered as a prayer to God indicates a deep faith in the face of terrible adversity. Verse 7 declares that the temple had been set on fire and the place where God's name was glorified had been brought low. Many scholars believe this may have been a reference to the destruction of the first temple by Nebuchadnezzar's army in 586 B.C. The word translated synagogues in verse 8 was the same Hebrew word used for congregations in verse 4 and may have signified the various places where people worshipped throughout the land. The garments of that time had folds instead of sleeves, making it possible to conceal the hands within the folds. In verse 11, the psalmist implied that God had concealed his right hand and needed to pluck it out on Israel's behalf. The dividing of the sea in verse 13 was a reference to the Red Sea, while the dragons in the waters and the Leviathan were symbolic of Egypt. The fountain and the flood may have referenced the flow of water that God provided from the rocks at Horeb and Kadesh. Thou driest up mighty rivers alluded to the parting of the Jordan River when the Israelites marched into the Promised Land. The word turtle dove in verse 19 was a term of endearment, and the psalmist beseeched God not to deliver his beloved people into the hands of a savage enemy. Conclusion When we seek the Lord in times of doubt or troubling circumstances and draw near to Him in prayer, 
our faith is strengthened and we are then enabled to hold on. 